don't people think people understand. When I buy a plane ticket, I bought the entire bubble around my seats, right? The seat, half that armrest, the little underneath seat. So if I take my shoes off, that's what I want to do. But if I'm flying economy, I pack slippers. So I take my shoes off. I change into my compression socks. I use my slippers to walk up and down the aisles and whatnot. Like I'm fully prepared. And then I, when it's time to land, you know, I change back into hopefully the shoes that have room. On behalf of Flirting With Travel, it's our pleasure to welcome you on board. Take a moment to grab your beverage and prepare for travel tips, tricks, and stories by sisters who love to travel the globe. Please be seated. Our flight's ready for takeoff. do like okay so the plugs here are like the three prong plugs but you know how the ones in the uk look mm-hmm. okay so i have those types of plugs and i'm like if i go spend six hundred dollars on a fan can i just pay an electrician to change the prong type when i get to the state so that i don't have to use an adapter that is a good question i feel like you maybe just shouldn't invest in a really expensive fan right now well, no, yeah, you're right, because I'm coming to the end. But I always think that, because even like with taking your TV home, I'm like, if I had bought a really nice Samsung TV, I have a Wanza. It's a Chinese brand. It works for me. I've had it for years. But if, say, hypothetically, I wanted to take this TV home, nobody wants to like have to do adapters on everything. Right? Well, that's why when I lived in Japan, I didn't buy anything like real or serious. I just kind of assumed that I would leave it all behind, except then I tried to ship it to myself and I still don't have it. So I could have left it all behind. Are you still never going to go to Austin? Did you contact them to see if it was even, it made it through the, that harsh winter? I did not freeze. <laughs> so just on your quick explanation, when I left to uh, go back to the U.S., I was going to pay to have my stuff shipped, but it was looking like two to $3,000. And I didn't have furniture. It was literally just clothing and things I'd kept with me, mm-hmm. but it was going to be very expensive. I had a friend who ships cars and car parts home, like Japanese cars that is based in Texas. And so he said, that's fine. Just put your stuff in the shipping container. We'll ship it home. And then you can go pick it up from Texas. And then I just <laughs> never did. That was in 2000 and what? <laughs> like 13. <laughs> Do you I know think that his parents still had that stuff at their house. I would be utterly amazed if they did. But that somehow, I feel like they very well could, only because that's how people are with garages. If you just have your garage full of stuff, you forget that it's there. Now, unless you're like mom, who's constantly going in, shuffling things around to see everything that she has, she would have thrown out my stuff years ago. I'm like, well, this person (laughs) left their items here, but I haven't even checked on it to see if it's still there. At this point, I've lived without it for so long. I clearly don't need it, but it would be a really cool time capsule to see it and find all the stuff that I thought I needed to send back. I think that is the coolest part about it. But you also talk about it every like couple years. So it's not like it's not on your mind. Well, it pops up because I think, hmm, it would be interesting. It's not like the clothes would fit anymore. It would just be like the special things, like the kimonos I got from Japan or the chopstick sets and things like that. Those particular things that would mean a lot. I bet you I'd go through all of it and really only have like, 
one small box worth of things that I'd keep. Ah, uh, you'd have your Honko. Ironically, that I have. I put that in the box with my <laughs> sewing machine, which I did pay to send home because I was sewing up until like the moment I left the country. Mm-hmm. So I didn't send that with the rest of my stuff. I paid, I think I paid like $300 to ship it home, just a sewing machine in a sewing machine box, which tells you how expensive it would have been to ship all my stuff. Ugh. That's true. When I get, when I leave here, I've been looking around like, okay, what are the things I'm absolutely going to take with me and what am I not going to take? I think I'm going to leave my TVs because all of the TVs are old. I've bought them in like 2016, 2017. So there's no need to take those. I'll just try to sell them for a nominal cost because the way that this area, this country is right now, nobody's really spending a lot of money. But I can't take any of my plants. And that's really heartbreaking because I love my plants. They're like my pets. But I'll take all the pots most of the major furniture. And then I've been trying to decide on the beds because I never really bought nice beds. I just bought Ikea beds. So I don't know. It depends on the, the price. But when my friend shipped her stuff, so I shipped Tracy's stuff to the States and it was about $3,000 mm-hmm. for about a 10 by 10 crate that went in half of a 20 foot container. But years later, during COVID, when my other friend left, her stuff, she just mailed it to the UK and that cost her like, almost $4,200. I'm not sure if there's not enough people going, but I always assumed it would cost me about $5,000 to mail all this stuff home, which is why you start thinking like $5,000. Could I, is it worth it? But I think I have, I have three pieces that are worth $5,000. So it's worth it for you because you've really built up everything that you have. So When I think about it for me, if I hadn't been leaving the country to go backpacking and I was just going home, I would have cut everything down just to fit into my two big suitcases and -hmm. brought them home. But yeah, because when I think back about it, I really didn't have that much stuff that I was trying to bring back because I didn't have any furniture. Like I moved into a fully furnished apartment. I left all of my kitchenware that I had bought there Mm -hmm. because so I moved to Japan as a teacher and what they did is you would move into an apartment that they basically rented long term and it was one after the other one teacher after the other so you would leave and you'd kind of leave things behind and then the next person would inherit those for instance like the person before me had bought a bicycle but they didn't really need it once they left so they just left it there for me so then I left it there for the next person plus added kitchen supplies and things like that and that's how it got built up time over time yeah because I think they supplied basically a futon for you which is just like a thick mattress and a blanket everything else you buy (laughs) yourself But if you're in an apartment that you've had like 10 teachers living in before you, eventually you just walk in and you have a couch and you have tables and you have rugs, you have everything built in. So mine was really just jewelry, clothing, and knickknacks. And knickknacks sounds like it should be small, but when you're kind of building that life and those are things that you want to keep because they remind you of your time in a different country, then it's special. But I'm sure now if I looked at it, I'd be like, this is cheap. Why did you try keeping all this? I mean, like, that is true. It's a time capsule because it was almost 10 years ago at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I went to Japan on, I want to say it was like January 11th of 2000. 
11. So we just passed the 10 year mark this year of me actually going to Japan. And so for you, like you've been in Kuwait for seven years. This is my sixth year. Sixth year. So I'm working through my sixth year. Five is like five and a half right now. Okay. You know what? I always combine it with uh, the time in Afghanistan. I mean, I've been overseas almost 11 years. So I think your time capsule is almost the stuff you have at home. Like if you went home and looked at your (laughs) closet. I think that's what it's going to be. Right. Because I was thinking like I have all this stuff. I'm a different size. And I know that my closet is not large enough for everything. So I'm going to have to go through it. And what I'm just curious, like, what do I do? Do I resell this stuff? Like, how do I sell it? Do I put it on Poshmark or... You don't want to donate it because it's clothes I barely wear because like I haven't been home since 2019. I mean, the nice stuff you can put on Poshmark, but I do like donating. I try not to do too much with Goodwill only because they're basically a for-profit organization. If I'm going to donate, I try to find like women's shelters that are like people who actually need the clothing. I look for places where they're not just turning around and reselling your items, where they can actually give it to someone who needs it, provided your items are nice. Granted, if they turn around and resell it, they're using the money for something important, too. So So there was, Luki sent me a link of basically in Accra, Ghana, there was a business, they upcycle the, they're like, they're trying to push this concept of upcycling all the clothes that are sent to them, right? It's all like the donations that are sent they pick through it and then all the other stuff that's left over that nobody wanted or it's probably in like poor condition because some people donate some real shit stuff that should just go in the trash. Just because you wore it and it's tattered doesn't mean somebody else wants it. Just throw it away. You didn't, you're not doing anybody any favors by giving them those worn out jeans. But what they're starting to do is this upcycle program. They go through, they pick out items and then they take the material and use it to make new items that are fashionable, fashion forward. And it was just like the sustainable concept of upcycling clothes and then just be aware what you guys are actually donating and sending. So I do wonder if like churches just send a bunch of stuff and then people pick through it. That ultimately is what happens. Like a lot of what you donate is going to end up going to some some random country and at least half of it they're going to look at and think, I don't need this. No one needs this. This is garbage at this point. But if yeah. you do have nice things, you're right. So when you're going through your, granted, when you're going through your clothing, it's stuff that's basically new. You would have kept on wearing if you hadn't left the U.S. to go live in Afghanistan. And clearly you didn't need a lot of those clothes there. Right. Or like I was at one point, I'd just buy new clothes every time I went on vacation. You know, the funniest thing is whenever I see somebody post, they're like, So I'm buying new clothes for every vacation for people to look at my pictures and that don't see me in my regular clothes. (laughs) So I was just talking about that with mom. I had mentioned that I'm trying to get down to my capsule wardrobe. I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to get down to like 30 items total, but I do want to have fewer things only because I would like to, when I go on vacation, be able to translate my day-to-day wardrobe onto vacation. And her thought process was, well, I want to look different on vacation. I want to feel like a different person. And I thought I only would want to feel like a different person if I didn't like my clothes as they were. But I'm trying to get to love what I wear every day so that I don't feel like I need to vacate that being when I leave the country. I mean, talk about it. Just if you put it that way, 
you're changing it from being about clothes and, and it turns into, are you traveling to celebrate escapism, right? Mm-hmm. Is it about completely leaving your life behind? But to just add a note, but not to deviate too much from the topic, one of the things that when you stay in a hotel, it should always be one or two levels up from how you normally live, your standard of life, right? So mm-hmm. I now I'm like, okay, I end up going into higher end hotels because I'm like, my standard of life is pretty nice. So I want to really escape into something that is not what I can afford at the particular moment. But I, I get it. Like to have a smart wardrobe, it's important because then you feel your best in your everyday life and you probably conquer and attack the world in a different way. Mm-hmm. I think about a lot of things I've bought for vacations that the moment I get back, I realize that I was trying to create some different version of myself. Like when we went to Spain, I bought a bunch of new dresses and I got a lot of surplus style V-neck dresses, which I generally don't wear, mainly because my chest is large and there's no way to wear it without making it look almost obscene, even if that's not the intention. Literally, Diambe and I could wear the same dress. The dress could be a V-neck on Diambe and look super elegant. On me, it looks like I was intentionally trying to just have my entire chest out. I was just out here slutting around. <laughs> so when I, like, when I wear those at home, I think, well, this doesn't really look like something I'd wear. Why did I buy it for a vacation? Even if it's acceptable there, it doesn't really match me. So now I'm trying to curate my wardrobe at home so that I can wear the same things out. And when I think about that, I think about some of like my best trips that I've taken where I loved my wardrobe. I basically took the exact same clothing to Switzerland as I did to Ireland. I maybe changed out one sweater and a jacket and a scarf. Those three items and I felt good about what I wore on both trips every single day. And they're things that I happen to really enjoy wearing at home too. And that was kind of the key that finally clicked in my mind is that I would do shopping for brand new things for every vacation, but it's always experimental because you haven't really lived in those clothes. So you don't know how they're going to wear versus wearing stuff that you actually wear in your day to day. You know, you're going to be comfortable walking 30 miles around a city because it's something that you could wear in general. And you should always feel like the best version of yourself, no matter where you're at. So if you're Mm -hmm. right, if you would buy this piece for a holiday, then why would you not try to wear it in your regular everyday life? Just because then it puts you in the space to have to walk into those different opportunities. But I guess that's like a capsule wardrobe really makes you realize what your style sense is, like the pieces mm-hmm. that you love wearing. What is it called? R33? Three? What is it? Oh, Project 333. Such a good yeah. idea. It's supposed to be a capsule wardrobe where for three months, you only use 33 pieces of clothing. And that's going to include your shoes, jewelry, outerwear. The only thing it doesn't include is sleepwear, workout wear, unless workout wear is part of your regular life. Like you just wear, I don't know, gym pants everywhere you go, then that's included. <laughs> I mean, it's true for some people. No, but true. like personal trainers. Yes, exactly. So then that would be their capsule. It does include undergarments. We said workout wear, lounge wear, and those are the only things that are excluded. And ultimately, within those 33 items, you start curating exactly what you need. 
because ultimately they say that people only wear 20% of their wardrobe 80% of the time. So we already have a capsule within our wardrobe. We've just gunked it up with a bunch of other stuff. So it feels like we're constantly making choices only to revert to the exact same thing over and over again. That is so true. I have like, first off, I love high-waisted shirts. In the wintertime, I love turtlenecks. I love mock necks. I love cow necks. I love any kind of high neckline. Like I enjoy those silhouettes and then a tighter frame because of the way the high waist looks. Mm-hmm. I wear like the same 25 pieces I noticed because you just started doing that. Remember when you came here and you're like, turn your hangers around backwards in the closet and then you will have, you'll be forced to take out whatever that is. And when you hang it back up, you hang it regularly. Like you would put it in the closet regularly. And that shows you what you haven't touched in that time period. And after doing that, I'm like, man, I got to get rid of some of this stuff. But then I started thinking like, I also have a shopping habit. This consumerism thing is real bad in me. And I start buying shit and I don't really actually need it. So I've done the whole Marie Kondo thing more than one time. You know, I've only successfully completed it from start to finish one time. And I don't even know if I could say I've successfully completed it. Because in her book, she says that if you go through the entire process from start to finish, it will change your buying habits because you won't buy, you won't just buy mindlessly. You'll really start looking at things and whether they bring you joy, which maybe that has happened because I bought some furniture and I thought, I don't know. As I look at it, I'm not feeling like a sense of euphoria in my heart over this. And I just need to get it out of my house immediately. So I do think that works is that when you start eliminating everything that doesn't really suit your ideal lifestyle or what you'd like your ideal lifestyle to be, you just you find a a lot of clarity. And that is something that I don't feel like you've gone through because I know you've tried doing like the whole Marie Kondo thing, but you're refusing to take all your clothes out, put them in a pile and go through them one by one. Oh, lies you tell. I did that. Didn't you start folding stuff up and putting it in random places because you were done with it? (laughs) (laughs) No, what happened was I took everything out of this damn closet wardrobe room. I put it on the bed in the guest bedroom. And then I went, it took me about a month and a half, almost two months to get to it because I tried it one time and it just looked like this is ridiculous. I don't want to do this. But from what I did from it, I did, I went through, I got rid of two boxes of clothes to donate, right? And then I reorganized all my drawers. They looked amazing. Now, if you went in there now, you couldn't really tell, but... I need to redo it. And I will say it did slightly impact the way I shop because I have not shopped. I haven't bought any clothes. I haven't bought any clothes in a long time. And I started thinking like looking at my tops, I need work tops for the summer because I don't have any. I gave them all away. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have anything. I'm like, I can't wear a turtleneck. It's 102 degrees outside. I'm gonna die. Oh my goodness. It actually was illuminating for me because it told me I like winter clothes so much more. I like turtlenecks too. I like sweaters. And now that we're in summer, I don't know what to wear. So I've just been wearing, I've been switching through like four different black shirts, a black three quarter length (laughs) sleeve shirt, a black short sleeve t-shirt. And I keep on kind of staring at my turtlenecks thinking I could wear one at any point. Nah, I, yeah. <laughs> you're going to be running from your car to the building 
chilling off. Like, I got to get this sweat together. And then every time you have to walk outside, you're going to die. It's not, it's not wise. I don't advise it at all. I don't care how much hydration you got going. That's true. So I need to buy some proper like summer shirts that go with my wardrobe. Because one thing I did is I pared down my colors. So now I have pretty much an all black wardrobe, which sounds super boring. I know people are like, I need more, I need more in my life. I started integrating a leopard print, which I never really thought of myself as someone who wears leopard print. But when I put it on, I'm like, oh, I do feel kind of saucy. And it just like spices up black (laughs) perfectly. And then a black is elegant. It's very like chic and elegant. Right. And it allows you to have more fun. So for me, I really like makeup. I realized I don't have to make a statement with my clothing all the time because I wear like evening makeup in the daytime and I have no qualms about it. (laughs) I also have orange hair. (laughs) I realized we don't need to make a statement in everything that you do. It doesn't need to be your clothing, your hair, your makeup. Everything's a statement. My clothes can take a backseat. My hair has a bigger personality than I do. So No, that makes sense. I think right now, like one of my favorite things to wear because it is warm is I really like and I wear the other thing is I live in an Arab country. So they like a lot of loose, flowy stuff, obviously, due to the religion and the culture. So I love like long, loose caftan type dresses. I wear a lot of dresses during the summer, actually. And then sneakers. I'd prefer to I'd love flip-flops. Like Javianas are my favorite pair of anything to wear. So what I've realized is that I do like, I like skirts and I do like flary skirts. You know, I'll wear like a 1950s silhouette in a second, but just day to day for comfort, a Jersey knit pencil skirt is my favorite. I need to buy about three more of those and kind of hang up my pants for the season and just switch to skirts. And it also, it makes you look a little bit more elegant because to me, I feel like they can easily go with sneakers for a bit Mm -hmm. of a um, rainbow Johnson blackish look, or you can put them with dressier shoes. This is true. They are are very, yeah, Mm -hmm. you're right. And it's good for travel. Like that packs down to nothing. No, that does roll up really, really well. And I think if you're backpacking or you're any kind of like carry on type of situation where you're not packing out a large suitcase, you have to start looking at pieces that do roll up to be smaller or iron, easy iron friendly or wrinkle free. Because like, I honestly, I'm not sure I would backpack if, so for me, backpacking is if we're like really on ground taking buses and trains on foot. You know what I'm saying? Very mobile. It's a very agile thing. I would do that. So Mm. for that, but if it's anywhere where we can get on a train and then it's like two, three cities, but in between the destination, the travel is, it's a bit more of a simple thing. I like a smaller carry on suitcase and I just want to get a duffel that does nice. It slides on top. So I think yesterday we were looking at I was really into away bags because I love their advertising. But then what was the brand you found? Mono? Monos. Yeah. Like M-O-N-O-S. Okay. Yeah. So Monos. M-O-N-O-S dot com. You guys got to go check it out. It's such sexy like luggage. They said they are the... Um, the are apple they? of bags. They are the apple of bags. How can you not go? Everybody knows apple is sexy. So you go... I looked at it. I was like, okay. So I think I'm going to get their 
their carry-on pro because it has the the pop-out sleeve that you can just, you know, slide documents in on your laptop. And it has a really beautiful vegan leather duffel bag that has some really nice compartments. So I feel like I'm going to buy that. And then maybe some compression packing cubes. I have some um, Muji packing cubes, but they're not compression. And after you've told me about your review of these peak. Peak design. They're so good. I love packing cubes, but you know, I've been using packing cubes since like we went to Cuba in 2016. Yeah. They, they just compartmentalize things so well and compression packing cubes are important, but it's more important to find a good fabric because I had had these one compression packing cubes. The entire thing was made of like this kind of dense, thick fabric But every time I tried to zip the compression portion, it just kept on getting stuck. And I was so frustrated. So then I thought, you know what? It doesn't matter. Just buy the Peak Design Packing Cubes. If you hate them, you can always return them. A la Marie Kondo telling me I don't need to keep anything that doesn't bring me joy. But I got them and they did bring me joy, like all of Mm -hmm. the joy. Because it's Mm -hmm. a soft fabric. The mesh is nice. Mm -hmm. Now, just going back to something that you said, do you roll your clothes for vacation? Listen, I am horrible. I have really come to the conclusion that I am terrible at packing. I am really bad at putting together outfits for a vacation because I'm with you. Like I need to create a capsule or my style so that when I travel, I'm not out here trying to put shit together like I'm a stylist and then having all kinds of outfit fails. Between the hair fails and outfit fails, sometimes I feel like I showed up to a destination. Who is this girl? Who am I? Because I don't even know. And then I like to shop on the, a shop in the, the country. I'd be looking like a hobo. I don't even know. It's like you, I don't even know who I am. I look better in regular life. But on vacation, I'd be looking like a hot, whole hot mess. I think rolling is the best way forward, though. <laughs> Just go back to the initial question. Definitely roll. <laughs> And then figuring out your shoe selection, which I enjoy sneakers a lot. So that's a very simple thing for me, sneaker and flip-flops. But the clothing portion, man, I look terrible. I just throw everything together. Hopefully it pays off. You were so funny, though, because like, let's say Amsterdam. And when we went to Amsterdam and Bruges, I thought your outfits came together really well. That was one of those times where it just (laughs) happened to pull together. But then I think about Spain, you were not ready. You weren't ready in any way. Amsterdam and Bruges came together well because I think I had been traveling so much. My suitcase was already pre-packed. So it must have been stuff. I'm not sure how it came. I also had Lexi, like it was basic colors. I wore mm-hmm. olive, I wore black, and I wore, all. I only wore olive and black and some white. I, was I had just a white thinking shirt. that. So that's the tip is that you really do have to get your color scheme down. I think about people who want to have like fun outfits that don't mix and match at all. And the amount that you have to carry and the amount of hope that you have that everything holds (laughs) out perfectly, that the weather is just right for this. But when you can mix and match, especially with like a nice black palette, you will never go wrong in my heart. Okay, so ding, 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 ding. Our travel tip is what? What is our travel tip for this episode? I would say create a color palette when you travel and just do like a base color, whether it be black, navy blue, or brown and tan. Those are your base colors. Then you want to pick one other 
accent color to go in. Yours was olive, mine is burgundy. And then throw in like one piece with a pattern on it. And that will carry you through everything. Then the only other thing that you need are some accessories to change up your outfits. This is true. Accessories are key. Earrings, necklaces, bracelets for warm weather. And then if you're in cold weather, it should always be your scarves and your jackets. Mm -hmm. So those are the bulkiest things, right? Jackets are definitely the bulkiest items, especially if you're packing down to like carry on level. So you want two jackets, like one that's basic, but chic, and then one that's like fun so that your pictures don't all look the same. Mm-hmm. Because you could have like 17 million beautiful sweaters, but if you're outside and you have a jacket over it, then that's a fail. I've had that happen to me a few times. That's when I realized, oh, you only need like two or three black shirts and you're okay. And then just bring different jackets and different scarves and mix it up. I've even started getting more creative with my hats because I realized if I'm by myself and I'm just taking selfies, I've got to keep the upper the upper part looking different. <laughs> but this is when like Marie Kondo, like I will rave about it. I've not completely gone through and done it. I have not done it in the way that she's done it or the way that you said you do it. But I do think I get tired of things and I start going through my house to get rid of stuff. And I, I do donate and throw a lot of stuff away. When Luki left, I remember helping her pack. I was like, yo, I got too much shit. I need, I came home and then I started just going through stuff and just taking it out. And I was like, okay, I got three boxes, you know, medium sized boxes worth of things that I don't need that I can get rid of because I don't need, you know, you don't need to live with excess. And so there's so many places in our house that we hide things. I find now that like furniture wise, I really enjoy open face furniture so that I can see what I have around. And it keeps me I think it also keeps your consumerism in check because we can buy everything off of Amazon. For instance, mm-hmm. my Amazon cart has like $600 worth of stuff in it. Now, it's like a window shopping experience. I really want to do like my little office area. I want to get one of those leather desk pads like you told me and some nice little cups for my pens and stuff. I don't know how it went from those two items to $600, but you know. <laughs> I don't think my Amazon cart ever gets up to $600 because honestly, by the time I have three things in there, I just order it. Granted, it's very different for you because you're all the way over there. Whereas for me, I'm thinking, oh, I want this to be here by tomorrow. So I better order it right now. Ah, see, this is true. And I think for me, I'm just like, well, I ordered all at one time and then it'll come in 17 different packages. (laughs) (laughs) That's frustrating. I do think I want to do another pass through my house. So I was reading about the whole like Marie Kondo practice. And I think one of the things is that when I read the book, I thought you go through it one time and you're supposed to get everything. But she says that to go through the process can take like six months to a year. And in my mind, it kind of feels like you don't go through it once. I think you actually have to do it a few times because I've had... Just some background for the Marie Kondo is that you have to work in a certain order. She starts you with clothing because she said for most people, that's what they have the least amount of attachment to, which is kind of different for me because I sewed clothing and 
mom sews clothing. So that's a lot of the gifts that she gives me or things that she's made. And to me, those are just as sentimental as a photo because I can look at something I made or something she made and go back to like the day that I finished it or the day that it was given to me. And after clothing, then you do, I want to say it's like books and paper. Then it's an area called kimono, which is just miscellaneous, but that's basically everything in your house. And then it's your sentimental items. Mm -hmm. By the time you get to your sentimental items, you're supposed to have honed your ability to figure out what brings you joy. But to me, once you can get rid of sentimental items, it feels like you should go back, start from the beginning, because you're going to realize that there's a lot of fat that you didn't yet cut. There's going to be shirts that you think, oh, I thought this brought me joy. But if that gift card that I got from grandma 20 years ago didn't bring me joy, then this shirt really doesn't make the cut. (laughs) I just feel like when I listen to that, I'm all inspired. But there's so many, like a lot of the stuff, I buy stuff I like. Like, I think there's a, there is really like benefit in quality versus quantity. As Mm -hmm. a younger girl, I always bought a lot of cheap shit. But as Mm -hmm. I've gotten older, I also make more money. So it's a bit different. But I try to buy things I really, really enjoy. And I know now I really love and I spend money on that one thing. It's because when I first moved to Kuwait, I didn't expect to be here this long. I thought I'd be here max two years and I'd be on my way home. So I didn't buy expensive furniture. I just bought cheap Ikea stuff. And some other like little local stores, because I thought I would just, if I did ship it home, I'd just put it in an Airbnb. But as I've been here five years later, nothing is wrong with the Ikea stuff because I live alone and um, I don't have pets. And I'm really meticulous about how I keep things. But I realized quality furniture made me happy because what COVID did, especially being locked in my house with the current curfew, and with not being able to travel, your home becomes your domicile. Like it's your peace. It's your, it's your Zen space. So you walking into it has to be something you enjoy being in. It's functional to your needs. So I am really blessed and happy that I spent a lot of money on the furniture that I have just so that I could, I enjoy my space. I love the furniture. I love the, the decor and it's peaceful for me. But I I think there's so much value in spending money on the things you absolutely want, which means that if you have to wait a little longer to get it, then that's better than buying seven things that you really are like meh about. Agreed. It's funny that you bring up the idea of COVID and being stuck at home and how it changed a lot of your perspective, because I do think that changed a lot of my perspective on clothing. I had always kind of considered myself a homebody, but... I think I was out way more than I thought I was because once (laughs) I was at home, especially once I started working from home, the first two days I had gotten up, showered, and was still doing makeup. And then after that, I realized, why are you doing this if you're working from home? So then I was just always around in like my lounge clothes and my lounge clothes were ratty. And that started (laughs) to hit my psyche that I thought, all you are is just like a sweats wearing just hobo all the time. (laughs) And then I realized, why would I put so much effort in looking good when I'm out and then allow myself to look like the worst version of me when I'm at home? 
I should prioritize the time that I'm by myself at home in the same way that I would with when I'm around other people, because how you dress impacts how you are. And I just felt like I was kind of slipping and sliding into being a different person by virtue of being home and being in clothing that I had deemed acceptable because no one could see me. I gave up bras when I was working from home. I was like, bra who? I don't need a bra. And I think it really changed my mental on like underwire bras. I've been, I'm done with them. They are the loser of 2021. I (laughs) only wear bralettes, like the comfortable sports bra, like the yoga bras, bralette type situation. That is all I wear now. There's no need for the cumbersome straps, you know, just nothing. I had tried to give up like underwire bras and then I realized I had never truly experienced under boob sweat until I did. (laughs) And (laughs) if underwire stops me from having to experience that, it's worthwhile. I'll have to deal with the digging. Oh, man. And then I'm back in the office and I absolutely hate it. (laughs) I'm not an office dweller. I just it drives me crazy. But I gave up all I gave up real pants. Everybody probably if you're working from home, Mm -hmm. you're giving up structured clothing like who's putting on jeans to sit around the house weirdos I feel like some people do you know what I won't even say some people do I feel like maybe men who don't wear tight pants probably do because to them jeans are comfortable but I think of how just second skin all my denim is and I would try to conform to that whole like mom jean loose fitting denim that's trying to get in vogue right now but I'm short and I feel like loose jeans when you're (laughs) short makes you just look so wide and so squat that fine (laughs) I'm stuck with my skinny jeans I like the mom jeans I've been getting Zara so I love Zara Zara has like the they're almost tailored kind of towards the ankle and then they do that balloon what's that look called bolero is that that oh the ones they're kind of like a peg pant because they have like the paper bag waist yeah, I love those. I, I don't. Eh, I'm not I'm not a fan of those. <laughs> you I mean, what? They're so cute. They're so cute. I mean, they're but, so cute yeah, on so, other people. When I wear them, not so much. But yeah, I I got out of anything. I was wearing like little shorts, my little bralettes, and I was walking around damn near naked. So when it came time to put clothes back on, I'm like, I hate this. It really messed me up mentally. Like, you don't understand how bad I I was so angry the first 30 days back in the office. I was like, I don't even understand why I'm here. Why are you even talking to me? I don't want to be here. Like, I don't even understand why I'm here. That was the, I just kept, that was my mantra. (laughs) You know what? I still am splitting my time working from home and working in the office. I actually like having the opportunity to put on real clothes only because to me, it was affecting my psyche to not put time and effort into, into my looks. I still like putting on makeup. I don't necessarily do it. If I'm at home, I'll do like lipstick, but just getting up and getting to do that every day. There's something about the ritual of it that I really do buy into. Mm. I'm really interested to see when I finally travel because I've not left this country since January 2020. So it is now, what is this, April, May? We're at the beginning of May, May 2021. Mm -hmm. I've never sat still this long in my entire adult life. Like, this is unfathomable. But I want to know what it feels like to get up, like, get dressed and stuff. (laughs) 
right? I look forward to seeing what the lessons that you've learned, like while being stuck at home, how they translate to how you pack what you're wearing when you're on vacation. Do you think that you're going to get up and think, well, I need to do a full beat on my face. I'm going to like wear full on clothing or is it going to be more casual and relaxed? Definitely going to do the full beat because I feel like you need to put your best face forward. Hey, you know, what I'm worried about, I'm just worried about, I'm around the same people all the time. I am in a bubble. I am in a literal bubble. I don't exist. I wonder if I'm going to be weird around like strangers. Like I won't mm. know how to interact because I talk to like the same 20 people on a very consistent basis. And my interaction outside of that is extremely limited. You know what? That is a concern for you. So I was thinking about it. I'm like, why are you talking to people on vacation? But that is something that you do. You do just chit chat with strangers. I'm like maybe stranger danger. Take a second. <laughs> I mean, okay, Lexi, I don't know what to say to you on that. Okay. Well, because I, I have had a few opportunities to travel and I don't feel like my personality has changed in that way. I'm as chatty as I ever was, which is to say I don't talk to people when I travel. I'm there to see the sights. I'm not there to talk to people. <laughs> I wonder if you would still be like that if you were living by yourself, like completely by yourself. So when you come home from work, you're by yourself until you go back to work the next day. And then maybe the interactions you have is who you call. I could see that because then you'd feel super isolated and you'd be ready to talk to people. Yeah, you just randomly just start talking to people about like their life. You don't really care, but you just do care because you're like, oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. It will be interesting to see how it changes, like how all of this changes travel. I have been trying to figure out how it's going to change like my packing and my wardrobe. And to the point that we were talking about earlier, a lot of it is going to be figuring out how to set up my wardrobe when I'm at home to match the person who I want to be when I'm traveling and how I want to project my image there, but also to maybe simplify it a little bit more because I was doing full shopping for every trip I took and that's, it's wasteful and it's silly. And you always end up a little bit unhappy because you're wearing things that are brand new that you haven't tested do you feel like you have to like stress test your clothing before you go to make sure that it's going to wear properly? <laughs> I mean, sometimes I'm taking shit straight out of the bag I bought it in and putting it in the suitcase without even trying it on. I mean, like things come last minute. I don't even put, I don't even, I'm not a super shop ahead of my trip and, and put it together person. Literally stuff is arriving and I'm throwing it in a suitcase to leave. So no. <laughs> I have only done that once. And that was probably my worst stress trip ever to Bali. A day of, I still had clothes <laughs> arriving. I didn't even have time to try them on to make sure they fit. I got there. I had some pants that weren't fitting my thighs, some shirts that I was like, what, are you, what were you thinking? So I would not do that again. Now I buy my stuff. The moment I know I'm going somewhere, I start buying things, trying them on. And then I try them on a little bit closer. I tried them on about three times. And in a perfect world. Sorry, have world, you done that for Ireland? For Iceland? I'm sorry, Iceland? Yes and no. I've already bought all the pants that I'm going to wear. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have an issue with shopping. <laughs> what do you mean? She's like, uh, yes and no. <laughs> well, no, I've already bought them. I just, I was right in between sizes. So I decided, you know, just size down. Try that out. And so they're a little tight. <laughs> 
So there's a good chance. I won't say good chance. If I just go to the gym, there's no chance. But there's a possibility <laughs> that I won't be in that size and I might still have to do last minute shopping. And I'll be very sad if that's the case. So I guess the answer lies within you, the gym. It does. It does. I mean, the answer does lie there. Whether I'll discover the answer is a whole different thing. <laughs> this is why I don't size down in clothes. I buy the size I am. I was right in between sizes, a size up, which is a little, it was a little gappy on my waist. Right. I thought, well, we'll just go a little tighter. But in all fairness, if you think about like when you hop off a plane, you're already like swollen. You've been eating salty airplane food and airport food. (laughs) I probably should have gone up because it wouldn't have been gappy by the time I roll off bloated and tired. This is true. Air travel can get you. They say drink a lot of water on the flight. Facial mist. I do love the first class kits that come with the facial mist spray. It's always refreshing. Brush your teeth. That definitely helps a lot. And walk. You you need to walk. You have to get up and walk. You can't stay in your seat the whole time. I actually sleep pretty much my entire flight. So I don't do a lot of the walking. That clearly means I'm not usually very hydrated. If I wear my compression socks, my feet are fine. I just leave my socks and my shoes on the entire time. I used to be someone who would take my shoes off, but apparently that's like, that's not the thing anymore. Have you heard that they talk badly about people who take their shoes off? And I thought, didn't everyone? Underneath the seat? I mean, fine, if you're underneath the seat. First off, I bought, I don't people think people understand. When I buy a plane ticket, I bought the entire bubble around my seat, right? The seat, half that armrest the little underneath seat. So if I take my shoes off, that's what I want to do. But if I'm flying economy, I pack slippers. So I take my shoes off. I change into my compression socks. I use my slippers to walk up and down the aisles and whatnot. Like I'm fully prepared. And then I, when it's time to land, you know, I change back into hopefully the shoes that have room because (laughs) the compression socks worked, but I don't ever wear like really tight sneakers. No. I had bought some brand new Toms one time to go traveling. That's what you didn't want to get your feet in those. (laughs) You you knew you set yourself up for failure. I don't know why I didn't. It just didn't occur to me because I had had a pair of Toms that I had like really worn in. So they were super comfortable. You could slip in and out of them. And I thought, oh, that's all Toms. I didn't remember that initially when you get them, they're super restrictive. They're super tight. (laughs) And so I think my thought process was I'm not going to take off my shoes during this flight, but then my feet started swelling up and it looked like bread (laughs) rising over a little, um, a cupcake holder. Just the top of my (laughs) foot was so puffy and it was hurting so bad. So I had to take them off. And then I thought, what do you do now? I don't even think I could stuff my feet back in because that's like stuffing wet dough into a casing. (laughs) It was so bad. I was just in so much pain. Even if you just stepped on the back of the shoe? Eventually, that's what I had to do. And I thought, well, this isn't the way I wanted to show up to another country. I thought I wanted (laughs) to look cute. And now you just look raggedy straight off the aircraft. I'm telling you, you better get some Crocs. Oh, you know what? I will say, I'm just going to throw out a quick plug since we're talking about traveling shoes. I finally got my Suaves. Uh, mm-hmm. It's this company based out of Austin. They actually make all of their shoes on a 3D printer. At least that's what I read. They are made out of the softest mesh and they're so comfortable. You can slip in and out of them. They are like the perfect airplane shoe. 
I have not gone on a trip where I've needed to wear them. Oh, no. I took them on one trip, but I was also wearing or I also took Doc Martens. And Mm -hmm. you know how they say wear your biggest shoe on the plane because you don't want (laughs) to use up all that room. So then I was flying in Docs thinking you bought these suaves just for the purpose of having the best airplane travel shoe ever. (laughs) And now you're stuck wearing Doc Martens. What is wrong with you? So I was so disappointed in myself. I probably will never travel with Doc Martens again just because they're too heavy. They're too big. I feel like you really they're have to build all your... I finally worn mine in after a year and a half. <laughs> I can finally... <laughs> oh my goodness. I wouldn't buy them again. And then I thought, is this Marie Kondo telling me to get rid of them? I was like, Marie, step off. You don't know everything. Okay. <laughs> we're keeping these these are keepsake I have constant fake conversations with this woman she doesn't know me but I feel like I talk to her all the time like oh what are you telling me I need to get rid of these Doc Martens that I just spent a year and a half breaking in I think you might be wrong they <laughs> might not bring me joy <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they might not bring me joy but they're with me now they're a part of me right they will though <laughs> But look into suave shoes. So this has been such a fun conversation that we've gotten to skip around talking about a little bit of packing, a little bit of Marie Kondo, and just a little bit of how to live your life better through your possessions. Mm -hmm. And that's probably the worst way to describe that because to live life well, you really should disassociate yourself from your possessions. Instead, you're trying to like gain joy from them, which seems like a step in the wrong direction when you say it Mm -hmm. like that. Well, way to sum that up. (laughs) I mean, ultimately, you've got to find oneness outside of the items that you have. But you should also only surround yourself with things that truly level up your life and make you feel like you're living the life that you envision for yourself. Word. Preach. And somehow we added in some packing advice in there, too. So look at that. Full service. (laughs) Until next time, guys. Peace out. Oh, you know what I just realized? Anchor does something super fun. You can leave voice messages for us. So if you do happen to be listening to this on the Anchor app, feel free to leave a voice message. If not, check us out on Instagram and let us know what are your packing tips? And did you learn anything about like your belongings and your surroundings after COVID that made you change how you do things? We look forward to hearing from you. Bye. Bye. That's all for this week, but the trip doesn't have to end. Link up with us on Instagram at Flirting with Travel or check out flirtingwithtravel.com for itineraries and more travel hacks. Taking off. Love you.